Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire cartoon fan podcast. This is episode 361, and today we'll be talking about Buds from Glitch Techs. I'm GC13. And I'm David. You know, am I the only one who, after watching this episode, really kind of wants to play Burrowing Underground Doppelganger Squad? The first M-rated exclusive game to Glitch Techs. I was not disturbed, but impressed by just how awful and grotesque they made this tentacle monster and how completely knowingly they pointed out that it's an awful tentacle monster that should be rated M and is, uh, you know, they just, they can't, you can't go and put tentacles in cartoons because the internet's just going to do things with that, but that's fine, whatever. Um, But yeah, maybe it would be a fun game. I mean, well... I don't know, for some reason, I just can't get, like, one of those 90s era, like, mid-90s era at that, uh, video games out of it with, like, menus and whatnot. I think it'd be cool. <laughs> There's a little bit of the Earthbound slime, or, yeah, slime mold monster in spirit there, but I, I think the concept was deeply fascinating because we brought back the idea of cloning again, which we've kind of already had, a. Uh, cloning philosophical quandary before with cloning glitches and now we're cloning humans or sort of thankfully we know that these glitches do not have souls so they're okay to kill okay actually though this is worse because this glitch has read the mind brains molecules neurons of people and then created it claimed clones of their brains at points in time Obviously, it was also in control of them because, like, the Mitch clone was talking in third person about himself as if from the monster's perspective, but pretty troubling as far as uh, sci-fi concepts go because uh, making, like, a clone of a glitch, which is already questionably living, is one thing, but making backups, copies of the complete brains of humans and then having them, you know, be functioning, which, by the way, crazy impressive processing power to uh, just re-simulate, you know, a human brain, but uh, it's pretty sketch. Pretty sketch. Well, I mean, every single glitch comes pre-equipped with way more computational power than they deserve, but I I think that's going to be part of next week's video. Mmm. Deservedly so, because this episode really made me think, more than anything else, just how terrible Hanobi is. This glitch was so powerful and so awful and so disturbing in its uh you know quandary that's created with copying humans that i i don't know how much worse they can get but uh i i did love that it took a you know kind of roughly wrote story that i've seen in a lot of (laughs) shows which is oh this person's suddenly acting different i don't trust them and uh you know gave gave a pretty good spin on it with a, a party being completely converted and i you know i enjoyed all the little funny moments even though the monster was still horrible <laughs> uh i i don't know when when the gauntlet said critical glitch contamination levels detected all i could think was i've seen enough alien movies to know where this is going <laughs> it it had a real alien movie vibe honestly it it's weird how some of these glitches operate. There's not much glitchy about this thing except that, you know, when you shoot it, it has pixels. Other than that, it's just a horrifying alien tentacle monster that wants, for some reason, to make people have 
friendly-ish doppelgangers slash make the world perfect slash I'm not sure what its goal is. We can talk about that in a moment, but I'm glad you mentioned the pixely. I loved the pixely alien blood on Mm. those tentacle monsters. That was, I don't know, it just, it sticks out and looks so good. Well, it's goo, GC. See, it's not blood because, you know, it's just the goo of the tentacles, even when they chop them, right? I don't know, maybe maybe Miko thought it was blood, and that's why she said things were getting a little M-rated. <laughs> it's not that she's seen enough of something to know where this is going. Ugh, yikes. Yeah, I mean, the glitching does make it look a little bit like censorship, so that's horrifying. <laughs> but, uh, whatever, you know, censored alien blood goo tentacles. Just another episode of Glitch Dex. But, you know, I did say I wanted to play Burrowing Underground Doppelganger Squad, and part of that is just because, like, what kind of game is that? And, you know, I, I don't <laughs> think that this is the villain from Burrowing Underground Doppelganger Squad. I think you play as this thing. I think you Ooh. play as someone trying to infiltrate a town or wherever and make the world a better place um, <laughs> in the most jerk way possible. That is a good evil plotline for a game for you to be the creature alien that slowly takes over a town for funsies (laughs) to you know to implement its will i guess it's like look at how awful these people are to each other our clones are never mean to each other it's one of those it's one of those commentary points that a child playing the game would utterly miss but an adult would instantly recognize the satire hmm it's funny that you bring up the question of what the gameplay is because it made me realize that this is not a very gameplay focused episode so glitch text definitely can go either way on that uh, i'm so used to like us having a gaming conversation to have to have when we talk about a glitch text episode but this one was really more about uh you know more classic horror theme <laughs> a little little mystery horror thing and not so much on gaming references like even the powers used in this episode are pretty small i think five uses a single speed up power up from his gauntlet yeah he has an emergency speed boost yeah we we get lots of unique tech weapons zara gets her little uh, minigun style thing hanish gets his head scissors which i made that hurricane rana post because you know i'm a nerd and we get that one glitch tech with his spiky hipster ball of doom. Yes, a classic Steven Universe spiky ball of doom. There, uh, also, was that a Ghostbuster stream at the end? I guess any electrical stream where five yes, people are shooting yes. together. That's what I said when I was watching this episode again for the podcast. Oh, now they're crossing the streams. Uh, yeah, that was such a absolutely unambiguous crossing the streams moment. Uh, and I'm, you know, surprised that Mitch joined in. This apparently was our Mitch for the win backstory. And I gotta say, not sympathetic to him yet, because, uh, don't understand why he actually became a jerk. But, uh, man, he sure didn't redeem himself much by the end. He did help out the team a little, but stealing back the XP and, uh, going all anime giant head jerk didn't help. Yeah, this isn't the this isn't the Mitch redemption. This is laying the groundwork so Mitch can be redeemed. The Buds monster was in his head, so it does know about his insecurities. Right. So some of them are really voiced. It's just like with Zara. She's uh, really into five, and so when the oh. monster gets control of Zara, it has her go right for the kill. Don't even get me started. The ship I did not know that I wanted. Honestly. 
not really have not been a shipper much of any characters in the show, but I love the very casual, you know, crush that appears just from hanging around people in the group type thing that's going on here, you know, and it happens in season two or you know season one B instead of being like a thing that was there from the start of the show. I love that it just developed. I love that her thing is that she likes seeing five's eyes cross when he does math in his head that's great so i'm very excited to see it develop and also how much will five be the oh thanks for that compliment moving on now <laughs> type of a recipient well I, I i'm gonna want to temper your expectations a little bit this is not a ship heavy show I, I don't think they do anything else with that ship in the rest of this season oh. and one of the unproduced or unfinished i should say season three episodes though it is shown that Five and Zara are together, so that ship what? does happen, but off screen. They just, uh, okay, fine, fair. I, I don't know. know. No, not, not fair. not a shipping show. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a shipping show, but if you're going to introduce a relationship, you're doing it because you're telling a story. So it's weird if the story is like, so that happened. Oh, and now they're dating. <laughs> Yeah, their their logic is basically that, oh, some of these things happen in the background. It, it's just like when Lars and Sadie drifted apart in Steven Universe Future, and I, I feel like that Lars and Sadie drifting apart was more of a cheat than Five and Sara drifting together. Well, in both cases, they both have to deal with whatever production schedules and episodes they are given or taken, so whatever. But, ooh, as for the... I mean, how many techs work at the Hinobi office? That was a lot of glitch techs. This is a big party, and it reminded me of, I don't know if you've seen the, it's weird to even call it a meme, but basically there's a clip from a big City Greens episode where <laughs> they, th somehow some characters making, basically explaining the process of animation and like shipping an episode to Korea to get it animated and everything. And at one point, one of the storyboarders gets an assignment and they're like, Oh boy, this scene has a thousand horses in it. I get to draw one thousand horses. And it, it's a similar feeling when you got a party and you got to draw a lot of uh, unique characters. Some of whom I feel like I noticed for the first time at least. Like they've probably been background characters for a while, but they were at this party and then, you know, they kind of joined in the fight later on. But uh, yeah, I feel bad when you got to populate a whole scene. I think they did a little bit of the shadow outline trickery, but... There, there were still a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it's just like, it's like an ocean of shoulders and all you can see are the heads. Which again, I don't want storyboarders out there to have to draw a thousand horses. Last I read, they're not paid super well, so it's cool. <laughs> the glitch deck still yeah. looks amazing and we have so many good character designs. It's, it's crazy. Uh, yeah. Including great payoff with, uh, <laughs> Phil because man, Mitch smacking <laughs> Phil's uh, stomach was oh. just a beautiful little moment there. Oh my god. And then Phil was too fat to get out of the pod. The rage, like, I, it's not even rage, it's like, Phil is just so, I, he can't even comprehend how this completely inappropriate behavior is happening. And I love that about Phil. It's like from back at the Karate Trainer episode, do you have a death wish? <laughs> Like, it's so subdued, but he has this, it's not even anger. It's like he's not capable of anger because of how downtrodden he is. <laughs> well, he's so worn down, too. He just has this, like, 
you know, so worn down personality and like he is upset, but just like I how how will I even possibly manage to express to you how bad this is? But it's fine because then he gets a little buds cap and then he's yeah. thinks everything's awesome. A hat makes everyone feel better. I mean, I was just thinking back to Craig's cousin and how he was trying to be a hat guy and Mitch made everyone at the Glitch Tech's office a hat guy, so... Yeah, easy Glitch Tech's merch, by the way. Little Bud's hat. Yeah. I think it is a malpractice by Nickelodeon that they have not released Bud's hats. But then again, Cartoon Network still hasn't given me my joke about coffee shirt from Summer Camp Island, so... I think anything that I want to buy, they're not allowed to make. And they, it's crazy. They really did go hard with Steven Universe merch. I mean, they produced the Guitar Dad shirt, which I think is amazing, but also probably not many people would actually wear. Yeah, that's super niche. Well, yeah, and they also have so many other niche products, but they're great. So I don't know. It, it really depends on what people think is worth it. But eh, it's fine. That's what the Etsy community and, you know, fan communities for is. Make the cool, not licensed stuff to make a community <laughs> around the show. Hey, if they don't want our money, someone else does, you know? <laughs> but you said that there wasn't much gameplay in this. And all I'm thinking about is when they're playing Pixel Panic at the end and Mitch is able to just jump in. And I'm like, I don't know if that's possible to just toss yourself in there in the middle of a game like it's an arcade cabinet. And then also, I'm pretty sure this game only allows two players. And also, I really feel like I recognize that game from a super old one I played on a very, very old PC back in the day that I could never, ever hope to remember the name of. I mean, there's a lot of ship shooting games. If that enemy design reminded you of a game, that's fascinating because it looked very glitch-techian. Uh, yeah, there there was actually a the, the final boss of the game I'm thinking of. I think it was red, had a vaguely similar shape. But it fired missiles, not lasers, so... Agreed on the you-can't-join-a-co-op game five seconds before the boss is going to be defeated. That is not a valid gameplay decision, although maybe, you know, Nintendo's kind of done that. You could play Super Mario 3D World and hop in right before everyone jumps in on the flagpole, but, you know, that's Mario. It's pretty rare in a twin-stick shooter. They they do have a lot of arcade-inspired stuff in Glitch Text, and I'm pretty sure arcade cabinets let you hop in whenever. They just want the quarter right. they care about, so you know, just, just hop right in there. So maybe, maybe Hinobi is also an arcade-centric company. <laughs> I would believe that they are fully interested in collecting money. Although, uh, yeah, it's amazing that they even bother cleaning up after themselves and paying all these kids to clean up, you know? That's the one thing that makes Anobi maybe not terrible, is they actually do bother cleaning up the bad things instead of just, I don't know, taking over the world or something. Yeah, we're not going to fix the problem, but we are going to solve it. <laughs> it's in the theme song. They have to solve the problem, at least. That's true. It's a commitment right there. But there is subtext <laughs> to their commitment <laughs> and its lack of comprehensiveness. Well, it's as long as they continue to sell DLC for the Hinobi consoles, the, they'll continue to solve the problems. But once people stop buying DLC, then they're on their own. I, I'm not going to be disappointed, but it'll be funny if no character who works within Hinobi comments during the season or thinks aloud about how it's kind of weird. <laughs> There's so many glitches. Like, they just accept the reality. 
that, you know, this is fine, what we do, it's fine. No one ever says, hey, isn't it kind of bad this is so glitchy? Maybe they should hire better programmers instead of teenagers. I mean, how many, how many people die in car crashes every year? Just a cost of doing business. You want the games, you get the glitches. That's how it is. I mean, fair enough. Anyway, guys, that's been us on Buds. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm David. And thanks for being a bud of this podcast. If you like it, go leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Later, buddy. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com.